listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 388. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our discussion of the classic military science fiction series, Stargate SG-1. And if you were with us last week, you know we sounded a little different because we were coming to you an hour earlier than usual. And, dude, what an amazing game. Holy cow. I mean... Stayed up to the very end of it. It was like definitely after midnight, but that game was... Uh, that was incredible. I mean, if you are not a football fan, I'm sorry. And if you are a football fan, even if you're not a Ravens fan, if you are aware of the drama at the end of that game, I mean, it just... It, it, they make movies about this stuff, right? I mean, Yeah, that's, that's what they've been saying during the week. Yeah, I mean... I mean, Lamar's in the locker room. They're giving him IVs because he's cramping terribly. They have to bring in their fourth-string quarterback because second and third are already on injured reserve. No, he, he was actually third. The Trace McSorley is third string. Oh, right, right, right. So he goes down, right. Tra- Trace yes. goes down. And then apparently while he's getting IV fluids, Lamar's watching it on the monitor. I I, I doubt whether he yanked the needle out of his arm himself but i think he wiped is what happened <laughs> Dude, that's, that's no rumor. don't even go there but uh anyway we'll, we'll stop talking he flushed about <laughs> uh, anyway all right um but yeah i mean that picture of him coming out like like mcsorley i mean you want to talk about like it's the the darkest moment right like our starting quarterback is in the locker room, the backup just gets hurt. So, you know, now it's like there's, we don't even have another quarterback dressed. So who the hell's going to play? Like, like this game is definitely done. And then all of a sudden they have a camera shot of Lamar Jackson coming out of the locker room and you cue the music, right. And everything. And then he comes on and the very first play, he throws a touchdown pass. Right. Yeah, it was like I know. Uh, it was we were going crazy. Right. It was. And, it was and this amazing. is a game they had to win. You, you, they had you, to win. Right. Now, I apologize to the people in Cleveland if if we have some Browns fans out there. I mean, the Browns played a, a heck of a game, but man, that was. Yep. So, sorry. This. Now, you know, we we spent a, a, a podcast talking about politics. Now we're gonna, you know, spend a chunk of this one talking about sports we, we yeah. this podcast does it all yeah really. well, well I mean, you know people get to know us a little better right yeah we're, yeah. we're gonna go with that um all right now <laughs> uh, what we're watching um i certainly sent you a message i can't remember if i posted in the facebook group but finally hbo max and roku got their act together and the next day the app was available i of course downloaded it to my roku so now i've got hbo max my wife and I checked out the flight attendant. Now, okay. I know what you're going to say. Uh, well, you probably don't, but go ahead. Okay. Starring. Because my first thought is that I, I know I've heard a lot. I mean, I, I don't know if it's actually, I can say I heard a lot of buzz about it, or it's just HBO promoting the crap out of this show. All right. But and it, um, and I've it, heard it's pretty good. It sounds like it's pretty good. Well, starring Kaylee Cuoco from Big Bang Theory, which is a show I did not watch. I assume you did, right? I haven't actually. Oh, you I, haven't. I know. Okay. It's, no, I know. Like it's probably a lot of people are gasping in, in shock and surprise right now that the both of us have not seen what is you know like the genre geeks, uh, you know, number one uh, sitcom. 
Well, and, and you know, I, what I didn't realize, it's been, you know, for like five years straight, it was either the number one or number two show overall. I mean, of all shows. And the well, numbers are huge, which I guess explains why she was making a million dollars per episode for a 24 episode season um, for like wow, five or really? six years straight. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. But anyway. So neither of us have seen it. I can neither confirm nor deny that I may or may not have Googled her name and then clicked the image icon. That's <laughs> possibly uh, I've done that at maybe, some point. Maybe but that happened. Anyway, it's really good. I mean, it is a mystery, but it's got a light touch to it that doesn't detract. It's got this kind of 60s spy-fi feel to the visuals and and the way they do the editing. Um, It it really is good. I mean, you really don't see who's, you know, coming as the killer. I don't necessarily want to even tell you who the surprise actor or actress is in it, because if you watch it, you'll go, ah! Well, well, if you're talking about Michael uh, Huisman. I'm not. um, Oh, no. okay. Because he, uh, you know, he's in. I mean, in the trailers, they they show that she hooks up with him, and then he he ends up dead. Right. So. No, it's a it's a female, and ah, the, okay. the problem I had, I kept saying, "Wait a minute, um, you know, what about?" And I'd say her name, and my wife, "Who are you talking about?" I'm like, "Oh, that's her name in the other show. I know her from, and I know okay. you know her from." So anyway, I'm going to stop okay. there. But it's really good. So we binge that. And then, of course, that led my wife and I, because we're struggling to find a new show. We Okay. HBO Max, they've got Big Bang Theory, all 12 seasons. So we check it out. My wife really likes it. So she's talking about how she likes all the characters. So I thought, all right, I'll throw in that. Yeah, I agree with you. But, you know, Penny's attire is a bit inappropriate. And her response <laughs> Oh, she's adorable. I, her outfits are so cute. I'm thinking, dude, I'm golden now. <laughs> <laughs> Moving forward with Big Bang Theory. Yeah. So, right, uh, right, right. Anyway, uh, yeah. sorry. If she I catches on. you checking that image tab, then you'll be, you're fine. Uh, right, exactly. Uh, I was just seeing what else she was in. <laughs> anyway, all right, what are you watching? <laughs> well, uh, I mean, Dave, I, I, I actually pity you that you are not watching The Mandalorian. I feel sorrow for you 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 this 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 situation needs to be remedied as as soon as possible my friend uh this season was dude it it was unbelievable and and the last episode was completely off the hook all indications point that it was yeah it was i mean fred's gonna talk about it it was so and, and, and honestly i'm and I can't say what happened, but I can say this, and my eldest son can confirm. I totally called what the big surprise at the end. But when it happens, you're just like, "Oh my god!" You know, it's it's, it's it, it it was it was huge. I, I can't say. Yeah, you know, I should just stop talking about it. But the Mandalorian this season has been just absolutely amazing. Um, as you can tell, because there's no Mandalorian stuff available anywhere. Um, I think I got one of the last, uh, Razor Crests, uh, Lego that were out there. And pretty much two days after I, I bought it for $129, which my wife gave me crap about, 
it was selling for like three hundred dollars. Oh, so I mean, Mandalorian is just so. I mean, it's you got it. so anyway. That was the first thing. Um, I'm behind now on his dark materials because my man cave has been taken over by my wife, who's been. Um, she got her eye operated on, so she's had to be face down for the last week, and so she's she's been doing that in the TV room. So my man cave has been taken away. So I'm I'm getting behind on on some of my shows, but that's that's fine. So, but there is one thing. So as my uh, my my wife and daughter like the Hallmark Christmas movies, Dave, as I feel like you're not you're not uh, averse to a Hallmark Christmas movie here and there as well. Well, as long as Lexa Doig is in it, and she's in a bunch of them, but go ahead. So, so that is actually my point. The question is, does an actor who is a genre actor, does he or she lose his or her cred, or is his or her cred tarnished by appearing in Hallmark Christmas movies? And the, the, person, the person that I'm referring to here is not Lexa Doig. This person is, the other day, my wife and daughter are watching one of these movies, and this dude is on there, and I'm like, wait a second, I know that guy. And I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm like, it's freaking Davin. It's Luke McFarlane from Killjoys in a Hallmark Christmas movie. Well, Christian Kane from The Librarians was in one. Trisha, Trisha Helfer's been in at least one. God, I can't think of the uh, the actress from the Librarians, uh, her name, but she was in one. And, and uh, I had interviewed both of them uh, for Den of Geek and, and talked to them about that. And, and and they both said they're a lot of fun. I mean, not that I'm sure making the Librarians wasn't a lot of fun, but, right? Um, and uh, it, the paychecks probably don't hurt. I mean, let's be honest. Paychecks, I'm sure, aren't bad. Well, and I realized. Well, part of this, I think, what's happening here is that all the, the all the actors are Canadians. Sure. Like I, I went and looked at this one movie that my wife and daughter were watching because Luke McFarlane. I'm like, that's freaking Luke McFarlane. What the hell is he doing in this? And then I looked up, and like everyone else there is uh, Canadian as well. Yeah. So there's two types of shows that get made pretty much exclusively in Canada. That's a genre sci-fi show. And Hallmark Christmas movies, apparently, which yeah. I guess makes okay. sense because, you know, I, you know, snow, right? There's- Good point. You know, I, I did a take five way back when um, uh, about how many genre actors were showing up on uh, the Lifetime Network, not necessarily Christmas shows, but uh, I think it was take five number 10 if my <laughs> memory serves correct. All right. Right. It's not memory. I looked it up. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, I think Summer Glau was in one that, that really is what got my attention. And, and I, you know, it just seemed like my wife had the Lifetime channel on at one point and like one movie after another. It's like, oh, wait a minute. That's Summer Glau. Wait, that's Trisha Helfer. That, and it just kept going on and on. Mm. And so, all right. Anyway. Yeah, that's wild. All right. So your answer would be, so you don't think their cred is- I is, do uh, not, no. Be smirched. No, not that's at all. Okay. Nope. Nope. Okay. So. All right, you want to get to some uh, Stargate SG-1? Yeah, might as well. I mean, we're, you know, about 12 minutes in, so all <laughs> right. talk so. about Stargate at some point. All right, episode 10, season one, The Torment of Tantalus, written by Robert C. Cooper, who wrote 105, First Commandment. 
directed by Jonathan Glasner, who co-wrote the pilot with Brad Wright, aired October 3rd, 1997. Now, real quickly, but you know, before we go too much uh, further in the discussion, and I sent you the link for the YouTube, uh, I'd forgotten about this because I did see it when it aired originally in 2018, Stargate Origins, which was originally released as 10 minisodes that chronicle a young Catherine Langford and her attempt to understand what's going on with the Stargate. And then, you know, what they eventually did was just combine them into like one, you know, sub two hour movie. And I'm making air quotes. So, uh, you know, we'll talk about what we might or might not want to do with that. But obviously this episode, you know, brought up the name Catherine Langford and yeah, uh, who we already know, who we already know. So, um, you know, this episode, I think it's something we've kind of danced around a bit, but for me, General Hammond's comment to Daniel Jackson kind of crystallizes everything about this episode. Have you completely lost your mind? Yeah, pretty much. And it's getting increasingly difficult to justify Jackson's actions on these missions. Well, this one was, I mean, beyond the beyonds. I mean, yes. it just made no sense at all. It's even so hard, even considering Daniel as a character, it seemed, I'm not saying it was out of character, but it seemed ridiculous. I mean, this guy is, we just saw a, an episode ago where his, you know, main motivation is to find his wife and to, to, you know, quote, unquote, cure her. And now he's ready to throw everything away so he can sit in a building by himself with his little glowy projector. Well, which he has to know is going to fall into the ocean momentarily. And I guess what eventually kills me about this is Jack comes in to try to get him and he's, just a second, uh, you know, I want to, you know, I want to get this down. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, a few minutes ago, you said this was going to take a lifetime. Yeah. So. <laughs> I, I'm, lifetime, I'm to, couple seconds. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to do the math here. But, <laughs> uh, you know, in, in that opening scene where he's watching footage of the gate experiments in 1945, and I'm like, all right, that's pretty cool because, Again, I would suspect most people that are listening to the podcast, watching SG-1, have seen the movie, and the Stargate Origins goes back to, it really, it starts in the 1920s and then moves forward in time to the late 30s, just before the Second World War. So, you know, this whole sense of where the Stargate has been and you know how it got to this point now it's pretty fascinating stuff so and then he sees the one whoa wait a minute they got the gate active yeah we didn't know that so all of that was really cool and you get why he breaks protocol and tells Catherine what he's learned okay and fine general hammond's pissed i know who she is okay so we get hammond but that's not that big a transgression on Jackson's part. No, I, I mean, you would think probably in like the quote unquote real world, he probably would have ran that one up the chain of command before bringing in Catherine, at least told Jack, right? Um, instead of just like 
rushing straight out to to tell her, uh, which obviously is you know breaks all kinds of security and and he has to understand. I mean, this is he's part of a military operation. You can't do shit like that. Yeah, well, <laughs> basically. Yeah, well, the other thing though, I wanted to ask you: Is it becoming a trope within the show for General Hammond to just? you know, lash into Jackson and his ideas and what he's done or wants to do. And then, but I agree with you. Mission. Ah, come over here. You <laughs> crazy kid. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. You, you know, th- th- this time it, it kind of just struck me as maybe we're overusing this a little bit too much. So, I mean, a- as Catherine points out, you know, He's nowhere near as bad as the previous general. I forget his name. But oh, West, I think. West, right, right. But still, I mean, I, I think Hammond is kind of the, the perfect general for, for this crew that he's got. But, you know, then we wonder, well, why did they never send anybody after Ernest? Did they just assume he was dead rather than stranded? And why would they think that? But I guess we have to look at what they knew and didn't know in 1945 versus what we know. So right. They don't know where he went. They, they They didn't no clue. Right. So that's certainly understandable, which leads me to think that maybe I just feels like they could have done a little bit more due diligence before they send Ernest in there in a freaking diving suit. And you wonder what did they actually think was going to happen i guess I they mean, thought there was a uh, lot of again, water well you understand yeah you understand thinking maybe it's some sort of a weapon all right makes sense if you don't know that's certainly a, a valid possibility but you you wonder why the program then just stopped over the death of one man i mean again one death is too much but you look at any of our rocket programs or test pilots uh, sure some of them are going to die along the way and you don't yeah. stop the program just because of one accident so right. you know i find that a little bit interesting especially when they put brought up the the fact that president roosevelt was really into the stargate program of course roosevelt dies in 40 Five, I guess, or 44. 45, yes. Yeah, 45. 45. And so maybe his death, you know, brought the program down and Truman didn't want to go forward with it. Uh, yeah, who knows? But you, but uh, that's right. neither here nor there. Um, yeah, I, well, I, I guess the, the, the main point is, you know, Ernest losing you know, years of his life because of the, you know, his blind pursuit of, of knowledge, right? Well, yeah, um, and yeah. You know, and, and that is an idea that, again, gets explored in this episode, Ernest choosing his work over the woman he supposedly loved and, you know, the idea of reaching for something that's out of reach. And, and of course, it's impossible to not think of Daniel. And, in fact, I think she is the one that even brings that connection up between Daniel and Ernest. But she's not wrong. I mean, you know, should he have told her? what he had planned to volunteer for. And I think the answer is, of course, yes. I mean, come on. They're adults. They 
clearly wanted to get married or had talked about getting married because we get that scene where she says, you know, have, have you spoken right. to my father yet? And clearly she's a brilliant individual in her own right. You know, I love that scene where he's talking about the gate shaking and she says, well, what kind of current are you using? So, you know, right. in, in terms of engineering skills, um, you know, she, she's certainly right there with him. So, you know, again, it brings us back to what Jackson continues to do mission after mission, which is, you know, forgetting about his three teammates. He's just going to forge ahead and do whatever he thinks is right and go from there. Um, you, you know, the other thing that strikes me about Jackson, and this isn't a criticism about Daniel Jackson, but but when he's sitting there talking to Ernest in, in that room with all the uh, uh, the elements that are mm-hmm. you know swirling in the air, and Daniel's, well, how did you figure? Oh, you know, he starts doing all the. Well, wait a minute. Archaeologists are also you know uh conversant in mathematics and and you know all that okay yeah i guess josh gates can do all that stuff too so you know who josh gates is right no oh really you never watched the you know expedition unknown oh no i thought you were talking about ben gates at first well no the character nicholas cage played in uh national treasure but no so Um, who is he He's, he's got a show on Discovery Channel, and you know basically what he does is he goes and investigates Yamashita's lost gold. You know the, this this story that the, during the Second World War, General Yamashita you, you know stole all this gold, buried it somewhere in the Philippines, or you know stuff like that. Right. Um, then he'll go to romania to follow up stories about vampires and just all all over the world and you know he's an archaeologist he's not a mathematician but anyway right that, i digress well you gotta know to for archaeology requires you to know like a lot of stuff you know? yeah i guess like I like guess. you gotta know like the angle for the staff of ra for example yeah, yeah. um <laughs> you know so let's go back to, you know, Daniel, when he goes to visit Catherine and, and, you know, fill her in on all this stuff. Is she correct to be kind of pissed off that nobody ever contacted her to let her know the progress they'd made? Yeah. I mean, she was in charge of the program, right? Yeah. That's just that's kind of what I It was I like, thought. I mean, if we take, I mean, the movie, if we the movie took place in the same year that you know, in which it was released. So that was 1994. And if now it's 1997, so it was only three years ago that she was in charge of the program. So, you know, you think she would still have some kind of pull around there. Well, yeah, because she's even surprised that Daniel's still not on Abydos. So that's how far out of the loop she is. Yeah. And well, she's so far out of the loop. She, she lost her accent. (laughs) <laughs> yeah um and, and, and so did her father both of them it's like they they changed from german to american just like that so right. i don't know i mean maybe we should be investigating that that's, no that's no weird. she's going to be british right or is it in the movie is she german i think they're german in the movie that's what he was speaking in the beginning and then she has you know a, definitely a a not british some kind of vaguely european accent well i think she's british in the origins series and and i if i recall it's it's just because they're maybe speaking german because they're 
talking to the Nazis. Yeah, but her accent in the movie is definitely not oh, okay. British. I, okay. I know a British accent. It's All right. British ah, continuity. Accent. But it, it's right. I mean, it's not a big deal and everything. But here's the thing. The, the character of Catherine Langford in the movie is, dare I say, has an element of the exotic about her, you know? She's sure. like this rich lady. She's got this kind of foreign accent and everything. There was this kind of element of something else about her. Um, and here, it's just like, she's just like a regular old American granny kind of in here. So, I mean, the, the actress was great. Uh, she did a really good job. But just that 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 kind of, the, the, the certain je ne sais quoi that, uh, that Catherine Langford had in the... Uh, in the movie that's uh, missing here with her character. So, well, you know, the Stargate origins, which I thoroughly enjoyed, um, Fred, when he looks it up on IMDb is going to be appalled because it was, you know, universally panned at the time. And apparently history has not been kind to it in, in, in the interim either. But again, taking it for what it is there, you know, like I said, they're 10 minute episodes. Jack, of course, is aware, I would think, that she's still alive. And we get those great scenes when, when you know, she hugs Jack and then Sam comes in with some news. And it's like, oh, Catherine, oh, Sam. And, 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 and I guess I've mentioned this several times that I, I find it, I don't know, somewhat comforting when, when Sam gets to have a moment with another woman in this man's world that, that she yeah, Bechtel, finds herself. Bechtel test. So, um, yeah, well, of course, we're asking how does Sam know her? They brought, I was under the impression Sam was just got brought in on this thing in episode one. Oh, you're right. She was right. It it seemed like it. It seemed like like it. Sam Carter, she's the new girl here. And just like, well, wait a second. Then how would she know Catherine? But. Uh, good know. point. No, you you know what? I didn't even think about that because right in, in the pilot, Jack, you know, didn't necessarily want anybody new on his team. And okay, that that certainly makes sense. But anyway, you know, Daniel, to his credit, I don't want to say that everything Daniel does, you know, is self-serving. You know, he figures out where Ernest went wants to go there and you know of course as we said hammond is livid at first and then you know agrees to let them go and whether it's jack's mention that this sounds like a true american hero to me is what makes hammond's decision for him you we get the sense that hammond's already made his decision to let him go because this guy is a true american hero sure and to have been left there for 50 years is criminal so you know on the one hand we get why they shut it down in 45 or at least we can speculate why they shut it down in 45 but now that they know how to operate the stargate system to to not go there would would certainly be be criminal Uh, um catherine wants to go and and of course we know there's going to be no stopping her dude when and and of course she's never seen the gate active and she goes up, and, and Jack's on on one side, Daniel's on the other side. Were you hoping they were just going to like shove her into the gate? The way? Oh uh, no, 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 no! <laughs> I'm terrible. No, the way I he know. did with uh, Sam, Sam in the pilot, yeah. right? No, 
No, that would that would not that would not have been cool at all. Uh, I guess that's just uh, I guess that's just me. But I guess the so. other yeah. learning stuff <laughs> yep. about you, man. I don't know. If, I don't know. If that's a good thing. I know. <laughs> but we we learn. Speaking about things we learn it, is that you know once they get there, this plan or or that this planet's address isn't on the cartouche that they found on Abydos, which is you know kind of like the phone book of the Stargate system, which then implies that the gold didn't invent the Stargate system, which is what they have been speculating for a while now, and have never been to this planet. So, you know, we learn a lot, not the least of which is the whole thing about the four alien species that meet in this great hall and of course we learn unless i misunderstood we learn that one of them it's thor's race uh we assume one of them is ra's race that would then you know lead to the norse mythological creatures and the egyptian gods and goddesses but the other two alien races are to be determined i suppose but maybe one is like you know kind of like the greek is like that the place with where everyone just lived for a hundred days, right? Oh, right, right. So, um, I feel like this is maybe one of the most poignant emotional scenes in the series to this point. You know, they 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 go through the gate, and we said last time they're either out in the wilderness or in some sort of a temple when when they come through the gate, and here they're in a temple, but it's clearly one that is in total disrepair. And it's even kind of crumbling as they come in. And the next thing you know, we see this older naked guy approaching. <laughs> and then he just starts crying and, and hugs the team members. I just really, I mean, uh, to me, that was really an emotional scene. Because sure. we know what this guy's gone through. Jack's not a hugger. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Teal, certainly not a hugger. Um, and then Daniel points out Catherine and it's funny, he recognizes her, and then it's like, huh, and he walks away. So yeah. why does he walk away? Probably get some pants on, maybe. <laughs> well, but I he, I, I think it was finally somebody, I think it was Daniel, said, do you have any clothes? Or, you know, <laughs> he puts on what's left of that diving suit. But, I mean, I guess I felt like, you know, he blamed her for not coming after him, for not saving him. And, and you understand his reaction because he doesn't know that she didn't know. Right? He doesn't know right. that her father lied and said he died in an explosion. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously from his point of view, it's like, Hey dudes, guys, come on, come back. Well, of course, if they, if anyone else had gone through the Stargate, they would also be unable to get back as well. Right. Right. Because um, even if like, they kept the Stargate open, they they wouldn't have a way to get back. That's right, right. That's the kicker of the whole his whole situation. Right, because he said it was like that when he got there. So it's been broken for you know however long. But yeah. I, I guess what I really love about this episode, or one of the things I really love about it, is, is this situation where now that they've you know reacquainted themselves and you know the the history they have together it's not only a question of whether he can forgive her right or wrong but 
whether she can forgive him. Because as we said earlier, right. he went and did this without even consulting her, without even saying, I'm going to do it. I'm not asking permission. I just want you to know. You deserve to know. So the idea that they both feel they have to, you know, the other should be should forgive them, I find fascinating. And, and it just really works in this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's, I mean, the best part of, I felt of, of this episode was the reunion of these two and that they, the, these people who, you know, were extremely close, uh, before, but now it's like, I mean, I think she says the one she's like so close, but light years away, you know, that, that they are different people now, literally. And, um. You know, like they just don't know each other at all, and it's awkward. And and how you know everything with his leaving was just, um, you know, there's just so much left open and up in the air from that, and it was kind of touching to see them reconnecting. Well, yeah, and the other interesting thing is that he has had an ongoing relationship with Catherine during his fifty years in isolation on this planet granted it wasn't real he used it as a coping mechanism but he did keep the relationship alive whereas there was no reason for her to keep right the relationship alive because she thought he was yep. dead right and well one one had closure and one did not yeah exactly and then once he realizes i'm going home and they confidently go up to the dial home device and then realize that it's inoperable. Does this mean we're not going home? It's just heartbreaking that, yeah. you know, the, the ups and downs this poor man has had to, to cope with. It's just, uh, you know, again, it's heartbreaking. And then we get into all the stuff with Daniel once, uh, you know, Sam and Teal'c start trying to MacGyver the, dhd back to uh you know back to life you, you know i was thinking about it as as i was doing my rewatch it pisses me off that a they apparently edited out the macgyver reference in the yes in the pilot and two that they're not using it in, in this case i mean why not why, why yeah. would you not okay granted why, you're not gonna do it just turn you. around and say hey does anyone have duct tape that's all they need. That's all they had to say. Exactly. Um, but, you know, as, as they're working on the, the DHD, Ernest shows Daniel, you know, the meeting room where, where he speculates the four alien races would meet. And, and that's a pretty cool idea in and of itself. And whether that gets expanded later in the season, you, you know, we'll see. But it's certainly a, a nice setup plot detail. Daniel, of course, gets excited because he sees it as a universal language. I'm thinking, okay, explain that one to me because um, that sounds pretty complex, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll go with it. He, of course, jumps to the conclusion that it could be the key to understanding our existence. And, you know, anytime somebody says that in one of these shows, I'm thinking, well, wait a minute, what don't we understand? Yeah, I mean, yeah. if we believe that the Big Bang is how we all got here and we accept evolution as 
a legitimate idea. We understand our. I mean, what are you talking about, Daniel? Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, Jack. You know, ever the realist. You know, none of this is going to mean squat if we don't get out of here. And <laughs> you know, it's just I. I get that that's the way they've built Daniel's character, but at some point, doesn't he have to? become more of a pragmatist and less of an idealist right well this isn't even idealism this is just dumbass you know like it makes no sense at all for him i mean i get he you know he is and this has been since the movie right a big part of his character is that he's a guy who is constantly searching for answers who's always asking questions always trying to learn right but to to stay back as the place is coming down around their ears to to dilly dally one second when they're trying to just get them out of there with their lives is just preposterous it was like i said it, it was difficult for me to accept even though i know part of daniel's character is this constant thirst for knowledge but he also a big part of his character is this desire to get back together with his wife and we just, like I said, we just saw that last episode. And here, he, he's not even thinking about her. He's not even thinking, oh, I got to get out of here because, I'll, I'll, you know, if I stay here, I'll never see my wife again. You know, which you'd think would be like his first thought in, in life-threatening situations. Right. And maybe a second thought would be that I'm preventing Jack from getting to the gate and saving himself because as team right. leader he feels an obligation to get me out of here but no i don't care about that yeah it's a, uh, that's a tough one and uh, yeah it was it was too much to take it, it's, it was not believable at all right like yeah now now what i found highly believable and just i i feel like it's just really good writing to to really bring it in this way as they're scrambling to figure out how to power the gate, because at this point the the DHD has dropped into the ocean, so they've got to go power source to the gate and and rotate it manually. I guess is what they're going to do, and they can't figure out. Well, try Teal's staff weapon. Nah, not enough power. Uh, I'm no scientist, but couldn't we use that Ben Franklin kind of thing? Yeah, uh, which obviously. Every single person watching the episode, the minute they mentioned they might have issues with power, would thought, well, just, you know, run a line to the outside of the cave because it's been lightning the whole time you've been there. Right. So, And, and the, the fact that it's Jack that thinks of it and not Carter. And what can't Carter do at this point? I mean, is yeah. the next thing we're going to see Carter that they have the, uh, you know, the base football game against one of the other air force bases and that you know she's going to come out and play quarterback and just i yeah. mean i guess it happened uh it could happen but uh nice touch that they use the helmet and in fact i think it's Ernest that offers up the helmet to put up top to to you know to draw the <coughs> lightning to you know to power the device but, uh, you know, that whole idea that no prize is worth attaining if you can never share it. And you just feel it's going in one ear and out the other. Yeah. What's it going to take for Daniel to just wake up to the reality? And like you said, I mean, look, 
I mean, I don't think either of us in real life are terrible risk takers. I mean, you know, I think for for you over the, you know, maybe your biggest risk is playing in that uh, alumni lacrosse game each year. Yeah, well, I don't do that anymore. Right, so. right. And, and, you know, for me, it would be something similar. Um, but in either case, when we do stuff like that, our, our wives are going to say, you know, you think that's a good idea. Um, yeah. How old are you again? Yeah, right. <laughs> so you wonder when he's going to wake up to that fact. And I'm thinking, you know, and I've even got in my notes, you know, Jack, just leave his ass there. But Jack's probably thinking, if I do that, they're just going to give me another archaeologist. Yeah. And to, to tell me the extremely obvious things I see around me all the time. Exactly. So <laughs> I don't know. And, you know, the, the temple starts crumbling. I did find it interesting that at that point, Daniel runs right through the gate, leaving Jack behind. But, you know, hey, whatever. Um, yeah. <laughs> and well, then, I, I think, I think right, so far with what we've seen these first 10 episodes, they've done a great job of characterization with uh, Sam Carter and Jack O'Neill, but not so great with Daniel Jackson and Teal'c. Uh, Teal'c gets the, the shortest of the short sticks. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. he barely gets any lines. Uh, and this is another one where um, he could have easily not been in it, you know, and they, they, they gave him so little. To, obviously, he has a big part in, you know, helping Sam rig up the, um, you know, the, the, the gate to get them back home. But, you know, it's it's really kind of annoying how like little he gets, how little screen time, how little, how how few lines he gets uh, every week, and uh, I, I I don't think I just I feel like they they have these characters and they just don't quite know what to do with them, you know, like so much like the movie and even the the first the the pilot that dynamic between Daniel Jackson and Jack O'Neill really kind of drives the action of, of both the movie and the pilot. And then since then, it's like, eh, not, you know, it's good for a joke here and there, you know, but for the most part, uh, we haven't really seen that dynamic at work. Well, yeah, and that makes a lot of sense. And, and like you said, with Teal, I, I think it's even Catherine that says, oh, you speak. And I think he right. says, when appropriate or, you know, like if I have something to say. But <laughs> When they give yeah, me a freaking line. Right. So, yeah, that is, it's really becoming noticeable with Teal'c's character. So yeah, there's still over half a season to go, but you know, this is episode 10. So not sure what's going on there, but, but yeah, like you said that the relationship between Daniel and Jack, I mean, they have a lot of history that it, it would seem they could make more use of it, but you know, maybe they don't want to draw too heavily on the movie and and if that's the case i get it maybe you just throw out little tidbits here and there so yeah um, i I just feel like they've got these characters and they're just not sure exactly what to do with them you know yeah yeah um and then uh you know we get the final scene they try to dial into Ernest's planet and it won't go through so they assume that it just dropped off the side of that cliff which is probably what they uh what really happened and we assume it's a happy ending for everyone but uh, of course now Ernest and Catherine they have a lot of catching up to do and sure 
you know, I again, I can't remember if we ever hear from either of them again in the series or not, but um, I would suspect if I'm earnest, I don't want anything to do with the Stargate program. <laughs> you know, just let me uh, learn how to play golf or, you know, garden or, you know, whatever. And whether, you know, the two of them can rekindle the flame that they once had, we'll, we'll see. But, uh, you know, any uh, other things you want to bring up about this one? Well, I was just looking to see, uh, yeah. They had Viagra in 1997, so he's good. There you go. You know? <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Uh, the line, he's not answering our pages. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the other thing. You look at the computer monitor. <laughs> yeah, the 90s. Well, the computer <laughs> monitor that Daniel's watching yeah. it on and, and just the fact that it's a VHS tape. Uh, for you youngins right. out there, that's uh, that used to be a big deal back in the yeah, 90s. Yeah, that was, that was high tech. That's how we used to watch movies. Yeah. So, besides ordering them on Amazon. So, all right, well, you, let's hear what Fred's got for us this week, and we'll be right back. Hello, Dave and Wayne, and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Stargate SG One Season One, Episode Ten. First off, what was I watching? One of the important things I watched was the season 2 finale of The Mandalorian. IMDb gave this episode a 9.9 and I really think it earns it. IMDb scores are always a little sketchy, but in this case I think it's very appropriate. Especially with almost 18,000 votes. And that just in a few days. So, that are two podcasts less to give feedback to, but on the other hand, The Expanse also started its fifth season, so getting two podcasts as replacement. And one of them is Mark Decote's Solo Talk Media, actually the very first podcast I ever contributed to. Furthermore, still watching his dark materials, and I really like that series. And if you want to listen to a nice podcast, then the Elitiometer is really advisable. As you know, I'm very much excited about The Mandalorian, but it is quite a different series. But in the excitement or the enthusiasm about that series, I do like his dark materials as much as I like The Mandalorian. Okay, about Stargate SG-1 Episode 10. I think they did a quite nice job in typecasting the younger Catherine and Ernest and the older ones. Perhaps not as good as in the series Dark, but wasn't that bad. This was an episode quite from a different angle than most of the previous ones, so I liked it. Although there were some tropes in it I fully had expected. I would have expected there would be a situation once where they couldn't get back that easily because the gate wouldn't work. Well, it happened in this episode. Another one, and then specific for this episode, is that they needed some energy source for the gate. Well, when they are talking about where do we get energy and then in the background it goes bzing, bzing, you immediately know that they are going to use the lightning as a source of power. And the last trope was of course that they would get back, or at least some of them, in the nick of time. 
General Hammond was, again, as always, being grumpy at the beginning. Are you crazy informing a citizen, etc.? And then allowing to let this old lady go along on a mission. Like the flashbacks to 1945, as well as the black and white footage as the real flashbacks, gave me a little bit Agent Carter-like feeling for the kind of experiments they did, as well as the atmosphere and the wardrobe and hairstyle. Okay, that was all for this episode. Today is the 20th of December, so I will probably not record a next feedback before Christmas, so I wish you all the best for Christmas, and I hope you're still able to make something out of that under these very special circumstances. And of course, I also wish that for all the other listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. All right, uh, Fred posted in the Facebook group the the photos of the younger and the older Catherine. Uh, I guess I'll have to go to Stargate Origins now and pull up a third photo. Um, I will say they, they certainly went for an attractive actress in that show as well. But yeah, Fred, I agree. They did a good job. Maybe not dark good, but, you know, this is 1997. I, I think they did okay. The Agent Carter feeling for the 1945 scene is not something I thought about, uh, of course, until Fred mentions it. And then, like, I love that time period. I mean, that's one of the things I love about the Agent Carter and, and, and Captain America mm-hmm. storyline in, in, yep. in Marvel. So, um, yeah, will we see more of it? Uh, I don't know, but I sure wouldn't mind. No, yeah, I, I thought it was cool. Um, I, I was really jazzed about that. Um, at first, and I thought they did a really uh, cool job of transitioning between the past, the present, and back. You know, like they kind of would interject the past as you needed to know what was going on narratively. I thought that was really neat how they did that. So, yeah, I'd like to yeah. see them do that again. Yeah, and and again, I know I keep mentioning Stargate Origins, but if you're into that time period and you know you want to see that time period with stargate then you know check it out i'm going to put a link to the youtube video that that has all 10 webisodes put together in this kind of movie situation so it'll be on the facebook group and as far as i can tell it's it's on youtube legitimately because youtube pretty much gets rid of stuff that's not supposed to be there all right what do you want to do for a grade here yeah, I'm thinking maybe B, B plus, kind of that area. Okay. Well, I'm going to go B plus for me. I, I really like this one. I did I, too. I think there's a lot here and, and a lot that, um, you know, can can be developed as the season progresses. So, all right, we'll go B plus. Yeah, I I, that, you know, I, I, I'm just big. grading it down. It's just because of Daniel at the end making just this ridiculous, you know, it just, it, like I said, anything that pulls me out of the story and, you know, like, so I say, oh, well, that, that wasn't a great writing choice, right? Then that's a bad thing. And his decision to, to stay um, as the, the temple is falling apart pulled me out because I just thought it was so ludicrous that he would even consider that. Right. So unless they're deliberately setting him up in this way, 
for a future plot line where his actions are going to have catastrophic effects, uh, well, th- then you better do it soon because you're losing the two of us writers yeah. in that regard. So, all right. Sounds good. Well, um, next time we talk to you guys, Christmas will have come and gone. So, you know, Wayne and I want to wish everybody a happy holiday. and Yeah, everyone have a great holiday. And uh, we will see you. Uh, looks like if everything goes as planned, you will get the next episode on Christmas morning. So, uh, oh, yeah, it's our little Christmas present to you. Yeah, so uh, anyway, so Santa Dave stays up and uh, the elves get the uh, the, the, the episode, uh, you know, published and everything. Then, you know, you might have a little, little sci fi TV rewatch gift under your tree, yeah. or a lump of coal, one of the two. But yeah. that will do it for this episode of Sci Fi TV Rewatch. Want to thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Stargate Universe. Uh, dark even I still got that in my notes anything going on in genre TV tell us your experience if you watch The Big Bang Theory Um, you know I'm working my way through it with my wife a little bit at a time join the Facebook group if you haven't already the email is sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com we'll be back next time to discuss episode 11 of Stargate SG-1 titled Bloodlines but until then yeah, Dave, I know a lot of times after these uh, we record, we kind of hang out and chat for a little bit, but in this case, we got to roll, man, because you know we're supposed to be at that physical assessment thing.